Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 312 Abnormal Psychology with Professor Mark Hunter. I hope you listen and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Unit 4 of Psychology 312 Abnormal Psychology. Again, this video is used to present an overview of Chapter 7 and 8. And I encourage you to use your textbook to go uh, more in-depth to prepare for your quizzes and your assignments. But this will help give you an understanding uh, in a summary way of these different topics. Let's look at Chapter 7, Physical Disorders and Health Psychology. So psychological and social factors play a major role in developing and maintaining number of physical disorders and so two fields of study have really arisen from this behavioral medicine which involves the application of behavioral science techniques to prevent diagnose and treat medical problems and health psychology which is a subfield that focuses on psychological factors involved in the promotion of health and well-being um, so a lot of times in regards to psychological and social factors, we're looking at psychological effects of stress on the immune system and other physical functioning. So if your immune system is compromised, you may not be able to attack and eliminate antigens that have attacked your body. Um, so your body becomes um, uh, less effective fighting off diseases. Um, and or you may find that your body is attacking itself and normal tissue and if you have one of this this is referred to as an autoimmune disease where you have an overactive immune system so there's been a growing awareness of the different connections between the nervous system and the immune system and there's a field study called psychoneuroimmunology and um, the, the connections between psychology and the nervous system. And diseases that have been related to the effects of stress on the immune system include AIDS, uh, cardiovascular disease, and cancer. So long-standing patterns of behavior may put an individual at risk for developing certain physical disorders. So how you act may put you make you more susceptible to these disorders. So example, unhealthy sexual practices can lead to AIDS and other sexually transmitted diseases. Unhealthy behavioral patterns such as poor eating habits or lack of exercise or type A behavior where you're more aggressive and you're trying to always kind of win the day and you know def defeat others to, to come out on top. Um, that may contribute to cardiovascular disease, such as stroke or hypertension or coronary uh, heart disease. Um, and so of the 10 leading causes of death in the United States, half of them can be traced to lifestyle behaviors, meaning how we choose to live our lives determines the illness that we may get. There's other psychological and social factors contribute to chronic pain. Uh, the brain inhibits pain 
through naturally occurring endogenous opioids. We have uh, naturally occurring opioids in our bodies. And, um, and these can also be implicated in a lot of psychological disorders. Chronic fatigue syndrome is a disorder that's uh, attributed somewhat to, to stress, but may have a, this connection to the viral immune, immune system dysfunction. There's been a variety of psychological treatments have been developed with either treating or preventing or physical disorders. Excuse me. Among these are biofeedback and relaxation response. Biofeedback is where you have a monitor of some sort and you'll be able to see your pulse rate or uh, your oxygen levels or uh, you know things that you may get measured at the, at the doctor's office. And uh, so you, as you go through these relaxation techniques, you notice that your heart rate goes down, your breathing becomes uh, le less uh, hurried. And so these are ways to use that. Um, comprehensive stress reduction programs use these relaxation techniques um, and also include ways to cope with stress that comes in your life. So relaxation helps once you've had the stress. These other techniques help deal with how to deal with stress when it comes to you. And, uh, and also realistic appraisals. You know, if you have this unrealistic expectation of how you think the world is going to be or how it should act toward you, um, that's going to cause stress. And so having more of a realistic understanding is, is helpful. Um, these comprehensive programs usually are found to be more successful than if you just focus on one of these uh, components individually. Um, other interventions means changing your behaviors, such as unsafe sexual practices or smoking or uh, unhealthy dietary habits. Um, you know, there's efforts have been made to prevent injury control or AIDS prevention, smoking cessation. Uh, and these are ways to try to prevent these unhealthy behaviors, which could lead to uh, sexually transmitted disease, coronary disease, cancers, and so on. Now let's go to chapter eight. We talk about eating and sleep-wake disorders. So bulimia, binge eating, and the anorexia nervosa are the areas that are mentioned within the DSM-5 as separate groups of disorders. And we've heard more about these within the last 50 years than before. They've received more attention in our media and uh, certain celebrities who have dealt with this have brought this to uh, our attention. So there's these the three prevalent eating disorders are in bulimia nervosa. Dieting results in out of control binge eating where you take in a lot of food all at one time and then you purge that and usually by vomiting or throwing up some means to or laxatives as a way to get rid of that food. Lots of food ingested and then eliminating that food. 
in binge eating, you do the binge eating, but you don't follow with purging. Uh, anorexia nervosa is which food intake is cut dramatically and results in a substantial weight loss and sometimes dangerously low body weight. In fact, of all the abnormal uh, psychology behaviors that we're talking about, psychopathologies, anorexia nervosa has the highest mortality rate, meaning more people die of this uh, psychopathology than others. So usually bulimia and anorexia nervosa are confined to young women in developed countries, meaning that it's not a problem in uh, developing countries where maybe food is uh, not obtainable as, as easily. It's usually because in this our uh, culture of you know that we have so much, it's usually women are trying to preserve this thin body shape. And they get this idea because they've seen this in media. They've seen this in, um, in movies and social media and, and just different pictures of models and such and where they get this idea that that's what the ideal body shape should be. Um, and so they, they start to believe that they're, um, they're you know, too fat and that they've got to lose more. And eventually this has not just impact on their weight, but their body, their physical systems as well. And again, if not treated, it can lead to death. The, um, um, there's also observation that some of these eating disorders tend to run in families and uh, that there may be some biological and genetic vulnerabilities um, and psychological factors such as low self-esteem where um, these young women feel like they have more value if they look better or if they weigh less. Um, social anxiety, fear of rejection, feeling that we see this a lot in social media where uh, people will call out others and make statements that are, you know, could be bullying or, or disparaging of another person. And again, this distorted body image where they, um, people who are normally, um, normal weight view themselves as fat and ugly. Um, several psychosocial treatments have been effective for this and includes things such as cognitive behavioral therapy, and uh, but also interpersonal therapy um, it usually takes a long time it means that uh, people who are being treated for these eating disorders tend to need to be in patient treatments and it can last for months in order to gain their body weight back and have a healthy um, relationship with food obesity is at the other end where uh, it's not really a disorder in the DSM, but it's one of the more dangerous epidemics in the world today. Um, so as we uh, become much more, uh, as many developing countries are getting more um, fast food restaurants or finding uh, things that become available in their country that we may have had for years in the United States, 
we find that obesity rates are going up across the world. And uh, so, you know, there can be and are some genetic influences that, but a lot of it has to do with our diet. Um, so changing diet, changing exercise uh, can be um, uh, moderately successful. People, of course, can lose weight, but um, some changes are policy changes, meaning that there's been limitations provided uh, on like what is available in schools what is available for vending machines and school lunches, um, what types of, you know, what kind of labeling needs to be on food as well. Now let's go into the sleep-wake disorders. And those are um, the things that are prevalent are what we call dysomnias, which is disturbance of sleep, and parasomnias, which is abnormal events such as nightmares, or sleepwalking, what occurs during sleep. So in dysomnias, that's the most common, of course. And so this is insomnia disorder where you cannot, uh, you, you have a difficult time falling asleep or maintaining sleep. Once you've fallen asleep, uh, you're not feeling refreshed after you have slept. Um, there's other dysomnias, such as hypersomnescence, uh, which is excessive sleep and narcolepsy, which is a sudden and irresistible sleep attacks where someone is just sitting down and they just fall asleep. Uh, circadian rhythm disorders, um, that can be a lot of times if uh, you've traveled, you've seen that in jet lag, or <clears throat> excuse me, if you've worked the night shift and uh, for a while at your job and then you've kind of gone back to the day shift, that can cause problems with that as well. Uh, Breathing-related disorders are things like uh, sleep apnea, and uh, which can lead to excessive sleepiness and insomnia. So in order to be assessed for this, usually you go into a sleep center. And uh, this is where they monitor your heart, your muscles, your respiration, and uh, you actually spend the night there and they observe you while you sleep. Um, and it can really based off of, so they're determining your sleep efficiency about, you know, how much time are you spending in um, uh, actual sleep as opposed to just spending time on a bed. To treat this, we uh, use benzodiazepines, which are depressants, um, and it can help out with insomnias, uh, but uh, it can be abused and you can become addicted to that. Um, and withdrawing from them can also cause sleep problems as well if you try to get off of them. Um, so it really also needs to, if you have treatment beds, not just um, by taking medication, but also psychological interventions is uh, what we call stimulus control and sleep hygiene, meaning uh, what do you do when you go to sleep? You know, are you constantly looking at your phone or uh, sc some screen of some sort? Um, you know, are you spending time in your bed other than sleeping? And, and so there's just a, a variety of ways to kind of prepare yourself to sleep. Parasomnias are things such as nightmares. Um, this occurs during a rapid eye movement, um, during our dream sleep, when we, this is about an hour and a half of, of eight hours that we, uh, that we sleep. 
and you could have sleep terrors or sleepwalking. Um, this occurs during the non-rapid or non-REM sleep. Well, that ends our unit, and I look forward to seeing you in Unit 5.